Welcome everybody to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is the on Sunday edition of the podcast where a few pastors, along with uh, an occasional guest or two, gather on a Monday to discuss what happened or what took place on a Sunday, looking specifically at the scripture that we covered and that kind of thing. So that's the podcast. <laughs> Cody is not here yet again. He is away with our middle schoolers out in Wainema, hanging out on the coast. So he is away, sadly. But I am Rob, and who else do we have here today? Ladies first. Melody. Melody Roberts is here. She is and Aaron. Our, and Aaron, yeah. <laughs> she's our office manager. So there you go. I'm I'm back in charge of the buttons. Now I can start making oh, no. making weird buttons. <laughs> so someone's excited. Yeah. Thank you. Melody Thank you. is here. I, I appreciate the applause. I'm trying to host this thing again, but I appreciate all the support, guys. That's right. Yeah. Anyways, it is hot. It is triple digits hot. this week. What's going on in it's your 100 last week? right now? Uh, Melody, you um, you had a pretty eventful yep. activity recently, buying the wedding dress yes. of your daughter. Um, Friday, we went, it was me, Emma, and her two bridesmaids. And we went to two different locations. We just made a day of it. It was a lot of fun. We went out to lunch, ice cream. There was even a bookstore we even saw that day because we had extra time to kill between the two appointments. And so, um, but when we, we, she tried on so many dresses, but I was just so happy with the dress she picked mm. because it was not what I had anticipated. She chose a dress with so many sparkles and I was so happy <laughs> wow. because my daughter has never been the princess right. type. She never wanted to go to prom. She yeah. never wasn't the dress up type of girl. And and so That's when wild. I saw her in this dress and she wanted this dress and I think she even said she felt like a princess in this dress. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, my work here is done. <laughs> I have done my job. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, is it was gonna, exciting. Is she going to wear her competition winning belt buckle? <laughs> With the dress. <laughs> I thought her favorite color was camouflage. <laughs> it should be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's probably going to be camouflage somewhere on that wedding cake. I don't oh, know. That's but, funny. But Are, no, she's, who knows what that, no, I don't think she'll be adding any, but that would be funny if she had something customized. I mean, bo- I mean both of them, I'm so, um, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some of their wedding photos, have them holding their shotguns. Yeah, that's true. That would not be shocking. <laughs> that to would be hilarious. In, for anyone listening, the inside joke is that her, <laughs> Uh, Emma, her daughter, is a really good trap shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Skeet too, or just trap? And sp- skeet and uh, sporting clays. Sporting clays. There so shotgun go. sports. She loves sports. Shotgun uh, sports. Yeah. Got a mm-hmm. collegiate, athlete. collegiate yeah. athlete. Yeah. So um, was like best in the state for girls or second best oh, or something wow. like that. Now you're going to, now I don't remember what when she was in high school. Was. Anyway. Yes. When she was in high school. Well, yes. So, and her, now, so now it's, you know, it's in, it's probably cool to see her like getting yes. a wedding dress. You know? Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It was a fun day. We took lots of pictures, but I was told I am not to post any of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving strict rules yeah. <laughs> pertaining to those pictures. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you don't want to like know. see oh, the I know. dress. You oh, know definitely. what I mean? You're, you'd be definitely. breaking all rules. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, She's in charge. All etiquette. Her fiance is also into rifle sports as well, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how they met. They cuz they actually met even though he's from McMinnville, they met at Nationals in Michigan. Wow. So that that's kind of cool. So That is. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yep. Yeah, instead of like what what are some wedding traditions people do like, you know, stepping on a glass. That's a Jewish thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think they so. could both you know, shoot a clay pigeon at the same time. Oh, that's oh, hilarious. Dude. Instead of throwing the bouquet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> someone throws the bouquet and then the, the guy's standing there and blasts it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll mention your ideas to Emma. We'll see how, we get, how far we I'm get sure with Corey, that. He's like, I'm liking where this is going. Um, I'm sure Corey wouldn't mind. I'm sure not. Sure. Well, that's exciting. So that's your first, the first yes. kid that you're marrying away. Yes. <coughs> Yeah, you got months crazy. away though. She's months June. away. June. Yes. It'll the come tissues fast. ready. It'll come fast. A lot of tears coming soon. I think so. Dude, that's the main reason why I want to go just to watch. Oh, Melody sure. That's real funny. That's funny. That's time. real entertainment there, Aaron. Thank you. 
melt into a puddle. I think Corey will have a harder time. Oh, than I actually, will. no. You, you just reminded me, and it's not to see you. I want to see Corey <laughs> melt. Yeah, he for sure will. That's I mean, funny. Let's be real. When we give away our daughters, we're going to be the same. Oh, way. dude, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a wreck. <laughs> I, yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah. I don't blame them at all. Anyway, so that's exciting. Yes. Anything else going on in the world of Melody? Well, my son is getting ready to go to Chicago for college, and he leaves at the end of the month. So where's he going? um, It's called DuPaul DuPaul University. It's in Chicago. So so yeah, it's it's cool though because he's only going to be three hours from Corey's parents. So that's kind of cool. Very cool. But it's still hard, even though he's twenty two. He should be. I should be able to just say here, like you're fine. You can go. (laughs) But it's still kind of hard. Wow. I'm in a a season of many transitions. He'll have a great time. (laughs) Chicago is a great place. Yeah. Mallory is leaving for Chicago tomorrow morning. On a business trip. So she is leaving forever. <laughs> of course. we talk. I talk about this often, but yeah, she's heading out to another business trip. Sadly, I'll be alone the rest of the week. So pray for me again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what what is going on in your world, Aaron? Anything exciting last week? I mean, I just turned 39. That's on right. Saturday, <laughs> August 12th, 39. Yep. <laughs> and I, I heard would... you say that you're excited for your 40s. Oh, I am. That's cool. Actually, the 40s are actually a good age, I think. Yeah. 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 As someone in their 40s, yeah. you yeah. can speak. For, and, and at the end. Oh, no, yeah. I'm 50. You finished. I finished. I am done. You I have the done fight. the good work. You finished. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> finished the 40s. <laughs> um, Those were good years. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm saying that honestly just because like my 30s were hard, you know. Yeah. 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 And uh you look back on a decade and you're like, "Oh man, that was a that was a tough decade." And I think I knew going into my 30s it was going to be a tough decade. So I'm I don't have that same feeling going into my Right. You know, because you know, there's 30s, there's but, not a lot going on when you think about it. You know, your kids will just become teenagers and there's nothing to worry about in that right, stage right, of life right. when they become t- <laughs> that that is my only, you know, that's my great concern. But I mean, knowing my kids so far, I'm not No, you know, I they're going to they're going to give me a, a run for my money, but at the same time, I know that it's not going to be probably as bad as what we put my parents through for sure. <laughs> But, you know, like when I was 29, I remembered thinking in a, in a few years, my whole life's going to change. Like I felt yeah. called out of that, my previous church and, you know, had been praying to those ends. Like I, I saw the writing on the wall that I was about to enter into a crazy season of life. And I just don't feel that same way. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stoked about what God's doing here and yeah. um, excited about the next five, 10 years, you know? So I'm looking forward to the forties. So yeah. the next big milestone is our kids entering the teenage years oh, in the I next know. five years. Adel- or Olivia will be 10 in a couple of months. Crazy. But- <laughs> She's very mature for her age. Yeah. Cool. I mean, both of yeah. them are just oh, like yeah. so unique. Oh, I yeah. mean, Adeline's mm-hmm. got this crazy wit and <laughs> Olivia has this really interesting perspective and observant and those kinds of things. But yeah. And they get along so well every day. (laughs) No, they don't like all children. Anyway, how about you? Rob? just talking about that. I'm good. Uh, Nothing really to report last week. Nothing super exciting happened. Mm. My son is getting more independent. Um, He's, he's feeling the end of the summer. Every time I mention school's coming soon, he's like, don't talk about that. It's going to make me depressed. Oh, I thought he liked school. He seems to really, no, well, you know, Enjoy every it. kid, every kid doesn't want to have to go back to the, to, to the, the grind. grind. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. But, um, we, uh, encouraged him to be a bit more independent this last week. He was taking his bike around town to different friends' house and just riding, you know, <laughs> that's the nice thing about can be. It's pretty, it's a safe, you know, city yeah. for the most part. And it's easy to get around town because it's so small. For sure. And a lot of the people that we know and his friends are close enough that he can ride his bike a few blocks. Totally. And um, so that's kind of an exciting time. He's getting more independence there, which is nice. I can just be like, go ride your bike somewhere. Go ride your bike. I text some people. Okay. Yeah. Go over there. And he has fun. So that's cool. That Um, is cool. My daughter is going to turn three here next, the end of next week. Wow. So we're planning for that B-Day party. Very cool. Some other stuff, but. Yep. 
Yeah, one thing about my birthday is Sunday is still coming, and you still got <laughs> still got to write a sermon. I know. And, uh, and so then, on my birthday, I think I went to my niece's birthday party, <laughs> and then I had to come home and finish my sermon that I didn't right. finish on Friday. So that was uh, that was how I celebrated my birthday. We, well, we had a staff birthday celebration last week. Yeah, we had a lunch, kicking you or giving you a you know happy birthday, and then kicking Savannah out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's, She's no back longer. To school. I miss Savannah. I had to do extra work this morning, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait, how do I do that? She's been, She's doing, been doing some it. of my yeah. or t- some of my duties, and so I'm like, oh wow. Oh, no, well, oh, and I had to like really think through the process because she, she's been so It's a good thing you have your own front office manual oh, that you man. created. Oh, <laughs> man, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, she's been very helpful, but now she's gone. So summer is, is quickly fading away. Yeah. But we got a few weeks left. But um, we're in the text. We are going to get into Second Timothy chapter 2. We are looking at the first half of the chapter, basically, chapters <laughs> 1 through 13. I wonder if we shouldn't just read it today. It's not crazy long. Um, we don't often because of the length, but. I mean, it's 13 verses. Let's read it. Yeah, um, go ahead. I'll read it. This is what Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, he will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself." Um, so that was the text that we studied this past Sunday title of your sermon. How bad do you really want it? Um, I mean, was a question. <laughs> in, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways to say what I was ultimately trying to capture with that point is I think I was really, I, as, as anyone should be when they're reading this passage, be hung up on those metaphors. Right. Because they even, even himself, he himself is hung up on it in verse seven. And, and he's expecting Timothy to be hung up on it. Yeah. Like, hey, think, think hard on these things. Um, and so I think when I thought about them and meditated on them, I mean, me, I'm probably, because I don't have any experience farming or in the military, I just like drifted to the idea of like, what does it take to be like a really good athlete? Like to be yeah. an athlete who wins. And I'm not like crazy into sports. I'm, not, I'm in sports enough to know like, takes a lot of work to be good at something. And you hear these stories of these professional athletes and the sacrifice they make. Like I, one guy stuck out in my mind was like Kobe. And I would hear people talk about Kobe Bryant and how he would be up at like four in the morning Mm -hmm. in the gym shooting free throws at four in the morning. Like he was just, he was up early and he had this very strict um, schedule for workouts and practice and eating and sleeping. And they, years ago, they posted like a day in the life of Tiger Woods. And it was like up at five in the morning, yeah. eating breakfast, uh, in the gym for an hour. And then he's on the range for an hour. And then he's putting for 30 minutes. And then he's on playing nine holes and then he's eating lunch. And then he, and it was like, literally, this is his life every single day. Which is discipline. Yeah. Um, but also, like, this is all he thought about. Like, he didn't right. think about, like, any anything else or being good at anything else. This was his one thing that he wanted to be really, really good at. And <clears throat> so then the question came, how bad do you really want it? You know, how bad do you want the championship? How bad do you want the ring? How bad right. do you want the jacket? Whatever the thing is. How bad do you want to be the best player in the world or... 
whatever, best team. And, and I think like your work ethic will determine the answer to that question. Uh, and I, I think that sort of captured a little bit of what yeah. Paul, the emphasis, at least of what Paul is getting at in this passage, at least in my mind, I don't know if it, which you summarized as to live, to live as a Christian takes a lot of work, uh, but the reward is worth all the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, which I think is, yeah, throughout. And that's, what's interesting about the, that metaphor. So let's talk about the metaphors. You've already kind of opened that door and you talked about the athlete and it says there that the athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, in there, in order to get the crown, the reward, right. You have to, like you were talking about discipline and I'm surprised you didn't go to, to, um, Tiger Woods first. I remember when I, I taught in middle school, we had a section, we had did a whole, a whole thing on like practice. And there's this idea practice makes perfect, which is not really true, but it's a certain yeah. specific kind of practice. Right. Like you can go hit balls on the range forever, and but if you're not actually taking note of how you're hitting it, the angle you're hitting it, right. where it's landing and all of the factors, and then making small adjustments until right. there's a, there's a, a intentional practice. And then yeah. it's just like, you know, hitting a bunch of golf balls. If I went out there and hit a bunch of golf balls, I would not get better because I don't know what I'm doing wrong or right. Right. right, Exactly. So the rules are really important. And it seems like that little part of this metaphor that's highlighted. It seems like Paul's mentioning unless they compete according to the rules. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't, I guess I didn't. And I think that's the beauty of like the verse seven Mm. is the layers of this metaphor. You keep thinking about it. <laughs> totally. Like, what does that mean? Well, man, you could apply that metaphor to this. You could apply that more metaphor to that. And I think that's, like, for me, what stuck out was this idea, because I was focused on this hard work thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I wanted to focus on the idea that there's no shortcuts. Yeah. And, and you can't, like, obviously in sports today, majority of sports, like, you can't, take any like performance enhancing things um you know steroids and blah 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 so that would be against the rules right if you were doing those things and so you you can't take these shortcuts to try and win of course the person who should come to everybody's mind on that is lance armstrong right yeah (laughs) um a guy who took seven tour de france's and basically found out he was doping the whole time so and that's you know to his shame And, and to the shame of the cycling world that happened. And so that's, you know, the reward got taken away and essentially, I don't know how that all worked out in the end, but. Yeah. And there are shortcuts you could take even in ministry, maybe as he's saying, you need to, you need to be a diligent athlete and follow the rules of God, the, the, the scriptures. And, uh, in that way earning the crown, earning sure. the reward and that kind of thing. Well, isn't it like the literally only because I've committed it to memory, but two verses later, second Timothy two fifteen, study mm-hmm. in the King James version to show yourself approved unto God, thyself <laughs> approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed or doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm. So even the preaching ministry or, or discipling someone in Bible reading, takes work. Like you've got to study to show yourself to prove to God a workman, like someone who's putting in the work to study the scriptures yep. is the one who should get up and, and do the teaching. You don't just walk up there and be like, well, let's see what, what comes to my mind as I'm up here. You know, like you're, yeah. you're, some people do and some people do. And they're like, they're not competing to the, you know, they're not yeah. playing by the rules here. Right, you know, right. they're, they're taking shortcuts. They're being lazy. And I think a lot of this is just a, a com- going back to the, how bad do you really want it? Like, cause you're kind of lazy. Um, if you're doing those things, you know? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was one of the metaphors. Let's look at the other two. T- did you have anything to add to that, Mel? Like, I just kept thinking of the Proverbs. There are so many Proverbs on work and laziness oh, and, sure. oh, yeah. and it just brought to mind all the things you know, if I, anyone doesn't know, Melody is an expert on the Proverbs. By I the way. am not an expert. <laughs> I love the Proverbs. She has studied the Proverbs. I have prayed the Proverbs. Let's say that because mm. I find that they are like great little prayer starters for mm. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, but that that definitely made me think. Well, I was also thinking about how consistency is key to so many things when you were talking about mm. disciplines that 
Kobe Bryant had in Tiger Woods. It's the things that usually that we're consistent in are the things that we usually reap the most benefits mm-hmm. from. Sure. Um, and I, I find that, I guess the only thing I can relate it to is writing. Like I, you know, I don't write every day, but I consistently write. And it's the thing that I've probably grown the most in because I'm, I've been consistent with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other things in my life that I was not consistent with. Like my, my mom was a piano teacher and I was not consistent mm-hmm. with my piano lessons and they suffered. My piano uh, playing suffered greatly. But I found that, you know, the things that we're usually consistent in are the things that we see, we can definitely see the benefits. And, but something else you said in your sermon was that we don't always see the fruit right away. And I think that's what's really hard <coughs> about all of these disciplines, whether you're an athlete or a soldier mm. or a farmer, it's the waiting and not seeing everything mm-hmm. and anything that really, but that's what requires the most discipline is in the faith is not seeing the fruit, but just keeping at it, knowing that God is faithful. For sure. So. that That's a, that's a big, I remember I, I was 18. I was a senior in high school. I was like 145 pounds. I was so scrawny. And I remembered, I, I was thinking, I need to get in the gym because I need to like put some weight on. No joke. I went to the gym five, six days a week. It, it One to two hours, like religiously for an entire year. I felt good. I felt like I got stronger. I didn't put any weight on. I, I mean, I'm like, I am going to the gym for an entire year working out all this I mean, lifting heavy and I have not gained a single pound. It wasn't until after a year that I started like putting some weight on. I don't know, just like fast metabolism or something. Um, But I think that happens in sports too, where people go through like, I I guess they go through down moments, you know, like you'll see these guys like um, Damian Lillard, he'll be on a hot streak and hitting all these three point shots, but then he'll be in a funk for like two weeks and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's in a little slump right now. Those things happen. Well, you still got to go back and be consistent. You got to do your drills and do your practices like you normally do. It'll come back. And But there's a lot of, like, I know this, like, in professional golf, too, is players who are really good, and then they go through a slump like that, and it's, like, the first time maybe ever in their lives they go through, like, a legitimate slump, and they're just not scoring. And they, like, they don't know how to deal with it mentally. And, uh, but you just got to go back and know, Hey, it's just a thing and I'll, I'll get through it. Um, but you're right in, in ministry, I know it. And in the Christian life, it can feel like sometimes you're, you're going to church, you're reading your Bible. Um, there's things you're doing some of the right things. Um, but why am I not experiencing the growth that I hope to experience or seeing the results Mm. that Mm. I hope and answered answered prayer or whatever. And it's like, well, you just, you have to trust the process Mm -hmm. in that. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably the emphasis of the farmer. It seems there's a few actually for sure in the farmer. The first of course is the soldier, which it seems to be, they all have consistency and hard work. I think are throughout each Mm -hmm. of these three metaphors. They come so fast too. Like he just spits them out uh, one sentence after the other. The first one talking about the soldier um, doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits. It's almost like that single minded focus. I think yep, you said something yep. like that with regard to the ministry in this case, it's like <coughs> the mission of making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them basically the great commission, right? Yep. That should be our focus, you know, as soldiers, I guess, for Christ in that sense and not to get distracted. This was a big part of what you talked about you know, reflecting on our own, what are the things we're getting distracted by? Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do to retain that singular focus? Um, because that seems to be the focus of that first metaphor. Don't get entangled in civilian pursuits, things that don't have to do with the mission, you know, that aren't yeah. going to help further the the goal. Um, I think that's pretty good. And then we talked about the, the athlete competing according to the rules. And then the farmer, hardworking farmer who ought, to have the first share of the crops. Mm-hmm. That was kind of an interesting, like what, what did he mean by the first, having the first share of the crops? So we talked about the latency that there's like a, you know, a whole season of waiting until the mm-hmm. crop comes. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. But having share, the first share of the crops. Well, I think that each one is slight. I feel like to some degree, they're all slightly building on one another. Oh yeah. Um, 
But like that last one, I think especially, like the athlete doesn't know if he's going to get a crown or she doesn't, you know what I mean? They just, they are competing because they like to compete. Yeah. And sometimes they get a crown. They're competing for the sake of the crown, but they're not sure they're going to get it. Right. Um, But the farmer, I mean, at at the end of the day, I guess with weather and different things like that, they're not sure if they're going to get a crop either. Right. But they're not just planting seeds and watering them and and tilling the soil and doing all of this hard work f- because they enjoy the process. <laughs> like, right. Nobody's doing that. I mean, some of it, you learn to enjoy the process after a while, but everybody's doing it for the the crop, the crop. at the end. They want to eat. They want to <laughs> eat and the they want to, yeah. yeah, they want to sell that later on and, and make money. I mean, that's what they want to do. And so I think that they're but they get to taste it first right so they're out there in the field like is it ripe and maybe another couple of days but this one's pretty good you know they're enjoying the fruit of their labor and and they get the well i think in a ministry context this is this is at least how it came to my mind and i Mm -hmm. didn't have time to put it in there because i don't know for the sake of preaching i didn't want to put it in there but how i feel like the lord ministered to me on it is sometimes when you're in ministry or working at a church or on staff or whatever, you actually get the first fruits of what God is doing in your church. Yeah. Um, before everybody else in the church experiences that. So we may actually be putting in more work and that, that makes sense. Cause they're actually like paying us to do more work <laughs> right. at the, at the church. Um, but we also on some level get the first fruits of the spiritual, benefits of that hard work. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, like at a member meeting, I get to share just a, just a glimpse and, and we get to share just a glimpse of all that the Lord is doing. Yeah. And so that the church can sort of participate in that and see that and they get to experience it as well. But I think you, <clears throat> just as the sorrows are magnified, the blessings are magnified too. And so we get the first fruits of, of that, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was at least a thought that came to my mind. Yeah, when feel like it was we necessary. get to meet with people and talk about membership and baptism, and then when they get baptized, everyone is sort of participating and they're worshiping God through this activity. But we have been striving with someone who knows for how long as they totally. prepare for that. And so the fruits, we get to experience them by God's grace with these people. That's like one example, but there's many more. For yeah, sure. that's true. Yeah, they're like, in one sense, like sweeter to <laughs> us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because we we put in the work, and so we we also get to like, oh, this one looks pretty pretty choice right here. You know? <laughs> like this looks good. So yeah. anyway, I think it's a little bit of that too. And I think he's again the whole point is he's trying to like get Timothy stirred up again. Yeah. In this from burnout mm. and being like, hey, dude, what did you think the, all of this was going to be? You thought this was going to be easy, like, and. I, I, I think in my own sermon, if I could critique it, is I wish I would have brought that out a little bit more. Like, And I think I brought it out enough, but I think he's really laying it on thick here to Timothy of saying, did you think this was going to be like easy work? Right. And, and I say this experientially and personally, because I think there's a lot of people who want to get into ministry because they think it'll just be like singing Kubaya. And people on staff just holding the hands and praying all day together, which would be awesome. And that would be spiritual work. But my point is, is they just, they see it as like, oh, that'd be great to work there because it'd be such a warm environment and everyone would be nice. And, and, uh, I don't have to deal with all this stuff in the world basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically they're lazy (laughs) and they just want to come and work at a church so that they think a church will just allow them to be lazy. Yeah. And I remember I had a professor who actually said, had a criticism of students that want to get in the ministry. He was saying, man, a lot of the students I get, they'll, they'll never be in ministry or they should never be in ministry because they're lazy because he's seeing them as students, yeah, not putting in the work on their papers or whatever it is. I don't know. For some reason, like ministry attracts like lazy people sometimes. And I think he, not that Timothy was lazy, but Paul is essentially pushing him to think like, what did you, what were you expecting? Did you think like using a athlete illustration, did you think that you would just be making every three throw you ever tried? Did you think that 
Um, you wouldn't have to be out there putting in the work and doing the engaging in a conflict and all of these kinds of things. And I think that we should be challenged in a text like this to think about those expectations that we have spoken or unspoken and what we feel like we deserve Mm -hmm. um, in ministry or in the Christian life or whatever. So anyway, I feel like this really challenges that. Yeah. And I think that was, uh, you were kind of opening up with this idea that, that I think some people might have that they look at the good news of the, of the grace of God, this free mm. gift that is given to you. You can accept it by faith alone, by God's grace alone. And they're not counting the cost of true discipleship. Bonhoeffer in his book calls it an easy believism. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't require necessarily obedience to God. You just believe in the right things and you're good. Um, which is a true danger that we have to, and and I think this text comes right up against it, you know, and Jesus of course has some really harsh words, unless you, you know, you know, take up your cross and follow me. You have no place with me. It's like, you got to give your life. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Yeah, exactly. And so how can we ensure in our spheres of influence? I know us as church leaders have maybe more influence than others, but everyone I think is involved in helping fellow Christians and people understand this. How can we help them to understand this difficult call of Christ that's, and not just this amazing news of the free gift of God? Um, how can we maintain that balance? What are some, some things we can do? Melody, what do you think? Well, I, I remember a, I you saying that the gift of eternal life is free, but it's the cost of, there is a cost mm. to discipleship. And I think that, um, one of the things you brought up was self-denial. And when mm. we were ta- when the text talks about sharing in the suffering, like when I, I was hearing you say that, because a lot of times we think of persecution, like I think you brought that up as, as suffering was persecution and is persecution, but we forget about self-denial sometimes. Mm-hmm. And self-denial is usually um, oftentimes a prerequisite to the persecution. So you might start to have... Like I, I was just thinking about my college days and the convictions I had for, you know, of different changes I needed to make. And I remember thinking <clears throat> that I had to deny myself in certain areas. But once I did, that didn't always win me a lot of friends mm-hmm. <laughs> or it might have cost me some relationships or changes in relationships or and sometimes they weren't definitely at the starting point weren't as fun to make, you know. But I think that oftentimes when we have when we start um, denying ourselves of things, sometimes we are persecuted for it. But the problem is, if you never start with this first with self denial, if you are faced with some crisis in your spiritual convictions, how will you endure persecution if you haven't done the daily discipline mm-hmm. of self denying mm-hmm. de- denying yourself? Yeah, for sure. So the other thing I was thinking about because you did mention at the very beginning you were talking about um, getting in the dirt. You were saying um, to get the fruit in its season, we we have to get in the dirt. Mm. And I was thinking about um, when I was thinking about the fruit. I was thinking about the fruit of the spirit. Like you hear people oftentimes say that they're praying for patience or they need more patience, and it's a fruit of the spirit, and that is cultivated. Usually, that is cultivated by the Holy Spirit, but they are gifts. But the thing is. I think what happens is people just stay on the surface. Like they think, oh, I need more patience, but they don't do the spiritual inventory to find out, well, why are you impatient? Mm-hmm. Um, like there's work that needs to be done. Like you were saying, you know, um, as you're, you need to think on these things as Paul was saying. And I was just thinking about how it was just really good for me, I guess, to take spiritual inventory. Cause I think it's, you have to ask yourself, well, why am I impatient or why am I not, exhibiting the fruit maybe Mm. that I need to exhibit? Is it because I'm not in line with what is somewhere with God and his will? And Mm. so I don't know. I just think it's just a good way of taking spiritual inventory and getting below the surface, digging in the dirt and finding out what really, what needs to happen Mm -hmm. to be able to cultivate that fruit. So. Yeah. One of the, one of the things even to that question Rob, um, I think that Paul, I said in my sermon a few times that what Paul is essentially reminding Timothy of, he should have already known this, um, that the Christian life takes work, but the rewards are uh, worth all the sacrifice because he was seeing the hard work ethic of Paul himself. Mm. And so 
he's like, what did you think this was going to be, Timothy? You know, do you think this is all going to be easy? And it's almost like he's saying, when, where in my life did you ever see anything in ministry like be easy? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I mean, Paul's life was a life constantly of suffering and self-denial and, and difficulty and striving. And I mean, he himself says, therefore I endure all these things for the sake of the elect. Right. I mean, he is working hard. And, and so I think one of the ways that we sort of self-correct or correct our thinking even on on how all of this works in the Christian life, you know, working out our salvation with fear and trembling and these kinds of things is by looking to these examples of people who have a strong work ethic. And I, I think that we can then back up and just go straight to Jesus because in his ministry life, not only was his whole life a life of self-denial, like denying the temptations um, to sin, but, but he was constantly teaching and, preaching and barely had time to sleep. I mean, he was just constantly go, 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 a busy guy working. Um, everything was a teaching moment, you know? And so when you look at the work ethic of Jesus, when we want to be like him, then we need to do the things Jesus did. Um, not in order to earn the salvation, but to become more like him because we yeah. already have the salvation that he has purchased for us through his blood. So I think <coughs> that though it's it's interesting that people get into ministry thinking that they can be lazy and have uh, very lame work ethics, um, they should look at Paul, they should look at Jesus, because Paul said like the love of Christ compels us, right, to, to work hard, to make the hard decisions, to love a difficult person, to engage in the conflict, whatever it is. Um, to wake up a little early and spend some time in prayer, to not watch that extra episode and instead read your Bible, um, mm -hmm. to pick up the phone and call that person that you've been thinking about and see if they're doing okay. Like that's all that stuff is like, to, okay, I could be doing something different right now, but instead I'm going to choose to do this other thing because I think it will be spiritually beneficial. Yeah. Um, it, you actually have to like think about that and put in the, put in the work and the reps and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when you're, I think when you're explaining the gospels, so I think in evangelism, this is a huge thing because when we are sharing the gospel, very often we will talk about the amazing benefits that come with be, you know, being adopted into the family of God, which we ought to, but at the same time, we can't lose sight as we're talking about the truth of the gospel, what kind of sacrifice it takes to follow Christ. And so I think that's, that can easily get overlooked. And, you know, all of us have that task in the church, not just the leaders, not just the pastors. Um, we should all be doing the work of evangelism in our workplace and our families and our neighborhoods. Um, as often as we're able to have conversations with people. And obviously we want to tell them the whole truth. And a part of the whole truth is repeating, like, like Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me is a hard thing. Um, but it's, it's at the end of the day, a glorious thing because mm -hmm. the reward is so great. <laughs> the, the, the crop that we get to partake in um, is so much better than, than the worthless rewards that we may get in the temporal things from this world. Um, yeah. So anyways, yeah, it's definitely important that we uh, take it seriously and not just have like an easy believism view. Um, the one thing I, I was kind of curious about is because this is directed from Paul to Timothy, there is a, an emphasis toward the leader of the church. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a pastoral epistle. So it's hard to, at times we need to kind of contextualize for everyone so that we can all apply the truths uh, that are in here. one of those was from in verse two, where he tells him to um, entrust the gospel to faithful men who will be able to teach that um, to others to continue it. You know, like yeah. this is your task. Your task is to help, teach and trust, and then they can continue to teach. Um, is this only a job for pastors, elders, or is this something that all of us participate in some way? Or maybe there's like, yes, yes. And, you know, I think, what do you, you think? I think, you know, the answer to it. I think, well, I, I would say that everyone participates in this activity, but at the same time, I think that the church of leadership for sure. has a particular responsibility to train and identify but so I think that there's both, um, especially in our context, um, 
because in order for someone to be called into leadership, there needs to be a recognition from all the mm-hmm. members. This man is someone who we could look up to, who is taking the responsibility to leader of leadership. But at the same time, the leaders have to participate in that activity as well. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I think it's, it's kind of both. And I mean, I guess I can respond with how we do this here. <laughs> um, Which so, we do it the right way and everyone else does it the wrong way. So I mean, <laughs> like everybody else has different opportunities yeah. and different obstacles um, to that, to fulfill this call. Right. I mean, what if you only have one guy at your church? You know, what if you have like a ton how does that work? Um, mm. What if you have a bigger church or a smaller church? You know, there's a lot of different like variables that you have to consider. But <clears throat> like for me, I think one of the things that we have to take away from Paul to Timothy is Paul is telling Timothy, it is your responsibility to make sure that the gospel is being taught and passed down and entrusted to others. And they understand the responsibility yeah. of this stewardship. So, at the end of the day, Timothy, this falls on you mm-hmm. to make sure that this is happening. That is the context of the letter because Paul is about to die. So <laughs> right. he's like, no, seriously, it literally is all on you because I'm out of here. Um, but but in any church, even if he's not about to die, uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I'm not the pastor of the church in Ephesus. You are. So you need to do this work. You need to preach the word, which he'll get into in a, another chapter. And, but before that, you need to teach the word to other faithful men so that you have co laborers with you in the church and so that the church can continue on. Even, even if you disappear, there's other guys who have it. Yeah. Um, so I just will confess, like, I take personal responsibility for making sure that people in our church are entrusted with. Yeah. teaching opportunities but not just opportunities like they're they're uh been trained to know how to study the bible communicate the bible those kinds of things and so it's i feel the responsibility to do that i also am excited when i see other guys teaching the bible but i also think what timothy is doing or is called to do here is to create a culture of uh, entrusting the gospel to others. So yeah. like for us here, as I know that as, as I raise up leaders and people who are competent, then they will then do that with others. And then it's spilling over into our life group ministry or our men's and women's ministries yeah. or even our one-to-one Bible reading. Michelle and I were just chatting the other day. Uh, she was saying that two girls, she was talking to them and she didn't even know it, but they had, they had just started doing one-to-one Bible reading on their own. And she was like, oh, what What made you start doing that? And she was like, well, because you said we should probably do that. <laughs> and so we thought that's a great idea. We should, that's, let's do it. And so even if they're not on the list of one-to-one Bible yeah. reading, it's in the culture now right. where people just get it. Like, oh, I can read the Bible um, with another person and we can just talk about it yeah. and grow together in it. So I think it's, <clears throat> it's a call because if he doesn't do it, no one else will. But if he does do it and he does it right, then other people will do it and it'll start becoming in the culture yeah. of that church where it'll be like a word-saturated church. And now, you, now you've got a healthy place mm-hmm. because everybody is kind of familiarized with the scriptures and growing in the Bible. Um, so, And there are many other yeah. churches and many other pastors that Paul has, you know, Timothy is the one highlighted here and was a big, you know, you know, part of Paul's journey as he was mentoring Timothy, but there are many others as well that aren't necessarily mentioned, but this is happening elsewhere. You know, other churches are doing the same thing and, and that continues today with us. That's why we're studying in this book and doing the, the, you know, heeding the call to do that. And of course, in here, he says entrusted to faithful men to teach because the context is the whole gathered church, which we talked about that with eldership and, and the role of a pastor, but it also extends to the women in our church. I mean, Melody, you're on our women's teaching team and in the women's ministry, there's a group of women who yeah. are doing this right. with one another. And I know that Aaron, you've helped in instructing them a little bit and guiding them and they've gone to conferences together, right? You, you went to the yes, semi- okay. trust. 
Yeah. So, and how's that team going and your it's experience? It's going with- awesome. I mean, I'm looking forward to presenting Philippians at the very, well, the first regular meeting that we will have. It'll be the intro to Philippians. Oh, you're so doing the first one. Doing the first one. Oh, sweet. It's kicking it off. Dude, the first one's the easiest one. <laughs> oh, good. Good. That's good to know. No, it is. Might need some help with that. <laughs> it's always the easiest one. Well, I was just thinking about how it's kind of a, it trickles down like the, you know, good preaching and teaching is so important because, I mean, even if you're not, you know, you're not uh, in ministry per se, you, you know, we all have a responsibility to teach. If you're a parent, you should be Absolutely. making sure your child mm. understands the gospel. And so um, even though you may not be in the authority position, um, you still have a responsibility to make sure that what they're learn that they're learning what they're supposed to be learning, and I even think too, women are teaching other women. That's also in I think Titus somewhere. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all we should all be teaching each other. I mean, you know, we were talking about um, athletes, and I was thinking to myself, all these different like well, specifically with athletes, usually they're training also with other athletes. They're not yeah. just. Training it because other people could see where you need corrected, where you can't see, right. where you, you, you know. So um, being in the context and being under good preaching is going to help, like as the whole theme of, you know, First and Second Timothy is growing a healthy church. And it's from top to bottom or bottom to top. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's a, I feel like it's a trickle down thing. It's like starts at the top and which is why Paul is emphasizing to Timothy why this is so important, why his responsibility mm-hmm. is so great. But for sure, it's definitely going to stretch out mm-hmm. to yeah. many different roles in the church. Totally. And I think like when it comes to like leadership stuff, we should always have in mind that person or maybe those few people who could like replace us if I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what Paul's doing with Timothy. Yeah. But then Paul is essentially telling Timothy, hey, if you're ever gone, do you need to... Make sure you're setting up your replacement. Yeah. And I think that there's some churches even today where there are, maybe it's a, he's a dynamic preacher, you know, good communicator built up this thing. And then all of a sudden it kind of gets to that point to where he's like aging and he, he's, he actually reveals he's not a good leader because he hasn't set up a succession plan. And you can build, build up something, but to what end that it just dies when you die, then you are actually a horrible leader. Yeah. Um, yeah. You led people to a certain destination, but literally you led them to a dead end. And I think Paul is not doing that, right? He's trying to like get the thrusters going and saying, okay, now you're going, you need to get the thrusters going for the next group of people. Um, that's like real leadership is when that thing can keep going long after you're gone and maybe even better, hopefully even better long after you're gone. And I think that's kind of what Paul is sort of doing in this sort of, in that, in that line. Um, And if you're going to have a healthy church, there just needs to be more people engaged in leadership and teaching than just like one guy. Oh yeah. And uh, you can, you can tweet that. Um, (laughs) But anyway, that's my. It's not tweet anymore. It's X. That's you can X that. You can X explain or something. I've heard some people say that. <laughs> oh great! Twitter is no more, guys. There's no little blue bird. I think that was a tragedy. <laughs> really? <laughs> Spoken from somebody who doesn't have Twitter have you, anymore. Yeah, when was the last care. time you were on Twitter? I don't know. I deleted my Twitter like years ago. So I just I never really understood Twitter. Yeah. Now that we're rabbit trailing on that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, social media. It's all. It's all, you know, (laughs) anyways, moving on, I think let's look at the last section of this text that we covered, which was kind of interesting. Another trustworthy saying, um, the hymn, uh, perhaps a hymn or a creed of some kind, because the ESV, of course, the repetition seems to highlight the fact that this is in a stanza of some kind. This is sort of poetic and, uh, and you mentioned it. Yeah. You, it's a hymn, a song perhaps, Mm -hmm. uh, did you study that somewhere or did you kind of. Are you assuming that? I mean, it looks that way. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I I did read that maybe somewhere, but I think how I read it was almost like this person was saying it as if it was common understanding. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was like debated. 
Yeah. Like that this was not something that could be sung or, or something like that, you know? Um, of course, anybody will debate about anything. How would it go? Can you sing it for us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably someone who's put it to a tune. Because, uh, sure. yeah, it has this very, it has a, a, a structure, if, then, you know, kind of thing. If we, and so, yeah, it definitely works that way. Uh, but, yeah, you made mention that he maybe was singing it. Yeah. Do you think Paul ever was singing this hymn as he's in there in, in the jail cell? I know him and Silas were singing, worshiping one time. Who knows, you know? Well, I think this kind of, this hymn actually, the structure of each line is kind of what really helped me formulate the structure of my main point. Mm. It's going to take a lot of work, but the rewards are worth it in the end. You know, if we die, we will live with him. Like it's like the this and that. Um, (laughs) It's going to take work. But the rewards are great. So it's like these two parts. Yeah. Um, but it also kind of is connected back to those metaphors um, of the hardworking guy. He did this in order to get that. The athlete did this in order to get that. You know, like, and so I think you've got these um, sort of relationships yeah. between the two parts. And then, of course, you've got Jesus there in verse eight, um, yeah. son of David. Uh, risen from the dead. So you've got these like both, both ands, these truths that are running parallel together that are leading to a better thing. Mm. Um, but so I didn't really want to get like bogged down in like each line of the hymn. Cause there's like yeah. the debate with like, I don't know, maybe the last part about the, if we deny him, he will deny us. But right. if we are faithless, he remains faithful. What, what is the difference yeah. between these two? And I don't know. My, my, as I read, most people were just talking about how the first line is hitting on like people who thought, you know, you thought they were in ministry with you. He mm. mentioned those two guys in chapter one. Yeah. Um, and then they, and it got to a point where they just like denied him. Like, no, I tried that and now I don't do it anymore, you True. know? And uh, I'm not getting into the debate. I'm not going to say that I would say that they were never saved. Right. You know, they just had the appearance, but they never actually bore fruit of repentance. Um, but then he quickly comes back in the next line so that the, a true believer isn't overcome with worry and fear. Yeah. Thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, dude, I just, I deny Jesus every day. You know, like uh, Peter denied Jesus. Like, so what happened there? It's like, well, a true believer i.e. the elect that he mentioned just a moment ago. Right. Um, when they're faithless, he remains faithful because he right. cannot deny himself. Even though you, yeah. in those moments, deny him. Right. He can't deny himself, nor they, his love for you and his call on your life and blah, blah, blah. You those know? people will inevitably repent, see the error of their ways, and return like Peter as for a sure. perfect example. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right. It is cool to see that... that yeah, hymns and creeds are often included. We saw this in First Timothy as well, um, where he it's like almost this, you know, it lays out the humanity and deity of Christ in there. But anyways, that's kind of cool to think about. We see songs in our own liturgy as a very important part of our worship. And oftentimes songs are the things that stick with you. Totally. When the scriptures, you know, sometimes are hard to remember. <laughs> a song is easy. It sticks in your brain and... And stuff like that. So, um, well, and that, that's like I said that line again. He should have known these things. Yeah. Like he saw Paul. He believed in the gospel of Jesus, who was the son of David and who suffered and who worked hard. And, but he ultimately was glorified after he was risen from the grave. And he should have known these things. Oh, and by the way, you just sang this song last Sunday, Timothy. Remember when you sang this song? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did, don't you remember what you were singing? You sing this all the time. You should know what I'm talking about, you know? And so I just, you just sense that tone. And I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm reading tone into it because he keeps bringing up familiar things, right? Like this is a familiar hymn. It's a trustworthy saying. You've heard this before. I'll say it again. And then it just comes on with a, a, uh, special power or force with the remembering, um, but it's easy to forget when you're in the, in the thick of it, you know? Yeah. It's a hard, it's an encouraging word, but it's a, 
Yeah, it was a challenging word, I think, this week. And that's what Paul intends to do. And mm -hmm. so that's the way we need to hear it. And I think it was helpful and effective. So, I, But I think that our – we need to – maybe this is a good line to sort of end on is like the gospel is our motivation to live a life pleasing to God. Um, yeah. We have been saved by grace and we live out of the abundance of that grace going back to the whole, like, he'll give you the strength you need. Verse two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're not working towards salvation here. We're working out of the salvation we already have. Right. And our hard work ethic is basically flowing out of the opportunity that we now have to know Christ, to become like him, to be used by him it's like, this is a really exciting thing. Like, I want to give everything I have to this because of the opportunity that has been given to me. I think where the laziness comes in is just with a misunderstanding or like maybe bad preaching. Um, hey, Jesus will take care of everything. Mm. And so you just sit there passively. He'll do everything. It's like, well, yes, he gives you the strength. Yes, he. you can't do anything apart from him, but it... Don't just sit there and wait for something to happen. You still right. need to like go out and be used by him. You still need to take up your cross and follow him. You know, you still need to pray. Like there's a morality and an ethic that flows out of what Christ has done for us. And I think that we have sort of swayed to the side of grace equals I don't have to do anything. Yeah. No, grace means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think people have misunderstood the application of grace. Right. Um, in, and, and, and therefore the gospel and sanctification over, over the last few years. And anyway, so hopefully the, the word was a little challenging mm -hmm. without being like moralistic and, because I yeah, don't think it no, is. No, I think no. the gospel compels us. Right. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of someone who the gospel compels to volunteer to our church. <laughs> <laughs> this is a transition. Volunteer of the week. <laughs> nice. Volunteer of the week. This week we decided to give it to Nate Fano. <laughs> Nate Fano is our volunteer. <laughs> Good job, Nate. Very cool. Um, he is uh, helps out on our security team. He was there helping out this week on security, and um, he helps in, out in other ways. In fact, he is going to be helping to prepare the bookstore and oversee all of that. So we recently, as a church, approved to invest a little bit of money in creating a little bookstore for our church to provide resources for them and a place where people can come and sit down and read a good book and uh, get some advice on what to read. And so mm -hmm. uh, be praying for us as we create that. We've already been working on the you know furniture and that kind of thing, but we haven't gotten the books yet. And technically we're not starting that until next month in September is when our new budget begins. And so probably going to open that up late September um, sometime in the fall. So we'll have a bookstore going, but Nate has um, agreed to help kind of oversee that help to, maintain that a little bit from a volunteer standpoint, which would be great. Uh, but we do need volunteers. If you love books, you want to hang out in the bookstore and volunteer and, um, you know, help to run the cash register and all that kind of stuff. Uh, once a month, uh, come, come see me at the info center. Amen. That'd be cool to do. Um, so that's, that's Nate. Uh, if you see him around, give him a, give him a high five. <laughs> Tell <laughs> him he's go. doing a good job. Um, so we appreciate him. And now it's time for it's time for Bible trivia right now. You know, we just, uh, I'll do it again this week. We just got a couple. Um, it's becoming your thing. This is, uh, this is the question or a category. What gets quoted the most? So okay. we're going to talk about what book or reference right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll do a little softball here to start. What book, <laughs> the longest in the Old Testament? Oh. Okay. ranks second with 414 references in the New Testament. Psalms. The Psalms. Yeah, good job. That was an easy one. Okay, I here we go. What book? One of the prophets. I saved you, Melody. Oh, wait. I need to give myself some chimes and stuff. Oh, yeah. I got it right. <laughs> gets, what book? Okay, prophets. Gets quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. 
of the prophets. I, of the prophets. Isaiah, maybe? That's what I would say is Isaiah. Isaiah, very good. Hey, oh, wow. Look at this. We are killing it. Oh, man. Oh, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to give... Uh, man, I have to give this one. I have to give the part of this. Um, what book, More Law Than History, mm. ranks fifth with 208 references? Mm. More Law Than History. Yeah, I want to say Exodus. Ranks fourth with 250 references. It's either Exodus or or Deuteronomy. Final I would answer. think Deuteronomy would be like the top, like one of the things. You think Deuteronomy is more than Exodus? Jesus referred to Deuteronomy. This is fifth. It's more law than history. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, okay, final answer? Leviticus. Leviticus. Final answer. Final answer? Yeah, I think it's Exodus. I don't know. Okay, it's Deuteronomy. You're both wrong. Okay, we'll end with a we'll end with a win here. Um, Will we? what what book? <laughs> um, what book? Part of the Torah <laughs> ranks third with two hundred and sixty references. Wow. What book? Is the book Genesis? <laughs> the book is Genesis. This is a robot uh, calling from the future. Oh my goodness, Rob. <laughs> okay, sorry. He does sound effects sometimes. Uh, um, we got that one? <laughs> you got it. All right. You got it. We I got just got it. Not get it. That was actually a tough one. Genesis, yeah. I mean, that's obviously has a bunch of references. So good job. Good job. Good job. We got that. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Yes. Thanks for listening. We will see Stay you next cool week. Stay cool out there. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org. Thank you.